Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. Hope you're doing well. We are here with the magic man himself, Elliot. Elliot Hulse is a strength coach, pro strongman, and the owner of the world-renowned Strength Camp Gym and regular host of Grounding Camp Meditation Retreats. His YouTube channel boasts over 2.5 million subscribers who tune in for education and inspiration on becoming the strongest version of yourself for a more of Elliot's work. Please check out Elliot. That's with two L's, E-L-L-I-O-T. T-H-U-L-S-E, ElliotHulse.com. Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again, Stephanie. Well, it's been a while, and I wanted to sort of talk about some of the challenges I think that young men are facing these days. Like I had an expert recently on talking about bad effects of porn. We're going to talk about some, some video game issues, maybe too much addiction to screen time fatherlessness and a general sense that there's no particular stamp or template or ritual or role to step into for young men, which is kind of depressing in a way, but creates a unique set of, set of opportunities to really define yourself in the way that you want. And I know you've done some work on this. So what are your thoughts about where young men are these days and what challenges and opportunities do they face? Hmm. Well, the first thing I like to approach it by saying is that it's not a problem. I think the first place that people go is there's this problem that needs to be solved. And I tend to think that the problem is that we think that there's a problem. Things are definitely changing. Our reaction to those changes uh, is either resourceful or unresourceful. And every time we're caught up in the problem and the dilemma and looking at the changes that are happening as opposed to the the integration that's happening at a global level for all of us individually, collectively, and even as it relates to our sexual polarity. Uh, we are becoming more feminine. There's no question about it. Um, the judgment that we have about it and how we choose to either embrace that or, uh, or reject it is really where the struggle lies. Well, it's funny, too, because when I was younger, and I still have this sometimes myself as well, like I sort of had this idea that life should chug along in a fairly serene kind of way. And every time there's a problem, it's some sort of deviation from my natural state of, you know, beatific contentment and, and joy and, and happiness and so on. But as I'm getting older, I think I'm beginning to sort of get the idea down that life is not designed to be nice and easy and and all interruptions to that life of ease are like this really annoying sandpaper on the gonads kind of thing and now i sort of like yeah yeah challenges Ooh, yeah. i'd like some more get pile on more weights on the barbells baby you know like that's gonna make my bones stronger it's gonna make my muscles stronger it's gonna make my soul stronger and so walking towards the fire rather than sort of running and hiding and viewing the world as these big giant dinosaur feet they're gonna stomp you out if you put a foot wrong that has been a real shift in mindset for me, and uh, I, I sort of invite people in. It sounds kind of crazy to run towards a fire you think you'd be running against, but there's real opportunity and, and strength there. Yeah, absolutely. They say what you resist persists. So it's the, by, by very virtue of wrestling with it in that way, it continues to be a, you know, a problem. But if we look at it and see how oh, – I like to say see the silver lining. It's very simple to say that. But to see the silver lining is to see truth, is to see the other side of the equation, is to see the inherent good in every bad, to see the seed of, uh, of whatever could be potentiality within every challenge. So my mindset, especially as it, as it relates to our conversation in the, 
evolving masculine is about how can we embrace where we are right now and see the beauty in our evolution. And there is this thing as well, which is that women are constantly reminded of their own bodies. You know, the aches and pains, menstruation, PMS, there's this constant reminder of the woman that she is deeply rooted in the physical. I think for men, this is kind of blur, like I'm going to be 51 soon. So this kind of blur from like your 20s to your 50s, where you're just kind of about the same, really just kind of chugging along, not much changes, maybe a little bit of hair here and there comes and goes. But I think for men, there used to be a rootedness in the physical that came out of being Physical, the rough and tumble, the sports games, the sports play, the, you know, when I was a kid, it was like playing war and, and all of the, this really deeply embodied physical work. And when I was in theater school, we did like movement classes and Tai Chi, and really they aimed to get you out of your head and into your body, you know, the second gut, the body brain, the body memories and so yes. on. And I think that for men now, when you're sort of sitting hunched over in this virtual video game world, or, or when your sexual interactions are with a screen rather than with a person, it's very easy to spiral out of your body and become almost like a ghost inhabiting a zombie Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's where we find ourselves and you're right the medicine is to get back into our bodies with physical fitness that's why i truly believe myself as a personal trainer fitness coach strength coach we really have amongst the most important jobs for the future of humanity getting people back in touch with their feeling bodies When you get in touch with your body, it's not just a matter of getting in touch with your muscular system. You're getting in touch with a form of intelligence that digests your food and grows a a baby in a woman's stomach, that increases your heart rate without you having to do it when you're being chased. You see, so we're, we're tapping into a spontaneity and an intuition that's available to us when we're more in touch with our bodies. And it's funny, too, because I think this, uh, some of this moral relativism and no good, no evil, and so on, that there's no uh, right or wrong in the world, comes a lot from being detached from, you know, when I was a kid, it was called your gut sense. There's lots of different ways of talking about it. You know, when you meet someone and you kind of get a sense of whether they're a good or a bad person or a good or a bad spirit, that requires a lot of being in touch with your gut. We can't figure everything out. And this is not just your belly. This is also your unconscious. You know, there is a subconscious processing has been shown to be thousands of times faster than conscious uh, processing. Mm -hmm. You give up on all of your evolution if you only use this little top part, this sort of post-monkey beta expansion pack called humanity. There's a whole (laughs) set of layers that go down all the way to your spinal cord that you can access to have a sort of rooted and grounded life where you can't be pushed around. You know, it's like the old thing, like if you stand with your feet together, someone can push you right over. You know, you spread out your legs, you get a good fighter's stance, and it's really tough to push you over. But that requires getting into your body and recognizing the strength that the flesh have, uh, which we we know the mind, you know, the mind can get us to the moon and get spaceships going out past Jupiter, but it's the body that keeps us strong and I think grounded in, in ethics and immovability, which you need a lot of in life. Grounded in truth. Grounded What's in more truth. true than what we're having as a physical experience right now in our bodies? We can only have this experience through our bodies. Everything else is conceptual. When you first started this uh, journey, I mean, you were, of course, uh, down in Florida, the strongest man and so on. Did you start in terms of physicality? I know you had a very sports-heavy uh, youth, a childhood and a youth. Did you start this with the goal of like, uh, you know, being a good athlete and being strong and then find some of the more spiritual aspects to it? Or was it sort of a union of the two? Did it come as a surprise later on? Or how did that work for you? It's funny because it kind of came at the same time. I was 14 years old. 
I wanted to play football. My uncle had just become a personal trainer and he came, he would come and mentor my brother and I started coaching us in the basement with weights. And I had an existential awakening the first time I looked in the mirror and could see my back several weeks after first working out and seeing all kinds of muscles that weren't there, bumps and stuff that weren't there. That on top of the fact that I can lift things now that I couldn't lift just six weeks ago. So I'm stronger and I'm looking different. I realized that I can use my will to become what I want to become. I could almost use my will to mold my body and to mold my experience. I'm not only looking different, molding my body, but my experience as a human being is different. I can lift more. It's very rudimentary. It's very basic. It's very physical, but it's also very existential. Like, wow, the power that I have as a human being to affect my future based on discipline and, uh, and consistency and following principles shook my world. And it's funny because we think the world is just what we see, but the world is also what sees us. And before you work out and then after you work out, the world sees you in a different way. Before you lose weight and after you lose weight, the world sees you in a different way. If you have the poise of being rooted in your physicality, and it doesn't have to become out of being hypermuscular. I think I'm proof of that. It can come out of, you know, things like uh, uh, working with yoga. It can come any sort of strengthening or, or embodying exercise. Because when we look out at the world, if we're overweight, if we're flabby, if we don't move, we see the world as tiring because we're always tired. You know, we see stairs as insurmountable and, and we, we see food as a drug, which of course it is. But we forget that the world sees us as well. And when you change your body, you change the way that the world sees you. And that is a very powerful thing. It's not just control over yourself. It's having a massive influence on how other people see you. Yeah, absolutely. People want to change their lives. I always say begin with your body. Right, right. Now, were there times when you were going through the journey um, from kid to, to um, muscle man? Was there a time where you hit a plateau? Where were the various kinds of resistance, which you know, I'm sure even happen now, uh, uh, the kinds of resistance, how do you best identify those plateaus and how do you best burrow through them? Well, I don't know if it's resistance so much as what motivating force has lit a fire under my ass. The why, you know, behind anything. And um, I have zero regrets for any of my whys and any of the things I've done to, you know, in the course of my life. But I'm also very objective about them. And it's very easy in retrospect to be objective about the fear that drove me to build a big body and become a big, strong brute so I could beat the shit out of people on the football field and uh, the anger you know, that fueled my workouts. I'll show them. Nobody. You see, the, all these, all the things that were behind the actions, I think, are far more important to get in touch with and have a uh, perspective on than the actual, you know, things themselves. As far as roadblocks are concerned, I think the roadblocks came about when awakening comes about. Because you don't know a roadblock is there if you're not aware of what you're doing or why you're doing it. But I've had... You know, throughout the course of my life, had various instances where I had to step back and see where am I proceeding from and why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And then the roadblock being, okay, how do I 
proceed now? Do I let go of this or do I transmutate it somehow or do I adopt a new way? And then that becomes the, you know, the question mark that ultimately all wrestle with, you know, who am I and why am I here? What am I doing? What is it that you think is, you know, I see a lot of your videos, Elliot, where young men in particular will call up and they say, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here. I have this particular dysfunctional relationship. I got a bad family. I'm unmotivated. My boss yells at me. I don't have any, um, I get pushed over a lot of the times. And what is it about you, do you think, that makes them trust you with these kinds of secrets, with these kinds of details and really respect what it is that uh, they have to say, because they trust you without having usually met you, of course, in person. Uh, what is it that you think you're communicating that they're picking up on that makes you a good source of feedback in these areas? I think the first thing is to recognize the deep need, the deep longing. You know, part of uh, our conversation before we got on was how many of us are fatherless. Mm. You know, uh, I see myself as stepping into a role that wasn't fulfilled for a lot of young men. And I didn't even know I was stepping into this role. Uh, it's taken me a long time to actually own the role of mentor, big brother, father figure. Um, if I was just spitting on camera, talking, you know, all the things I like to talk about, and there was nobody there that wanted it, it would just be Elliot Hulse, you know, chewing his gums. But the mere <laughs> fact that there are, yeah, and I don't mind doing that. But the mere fact that uh, that the questions came and, and I have a million subscri plus subscribers, not because there was a need and I just happened to be fulfilling it with what I like to talk about as a young man, as a man in America and uh, going through a very similar experience that most young men are going through. You know, as, as unique as we are individually, uh, there are some very recurrent themes. And, uh, and if I could speak from my experience and show some compassion and shed some light, then you know, you know, people come to the light. Do you think, because you were saying earlier, Elliot, that we're becoming more feminine, men are becoming more feminine. And there does seem to be some, I don't know if it's uh, birth control in the sewage system. I don't know if it's too much soy. <laughs> I don't know exactly what is, or too little exercise. Yeah, exercise, of course, I think boosts testosterone. Do you think that, when you talk about masculinity, are you trying to, in a sense, get back boys or get boys back or young men back to something that existed in the past? Or do you think it's a new kind of masculinity that we kind of almost have to tear from the mountain with our teeth, feels like? Dude, I think you know that the institutions that have carried us this far are crumbling before our very eyes. We're living in the time of dissolution and rebirth, death and rebirth. And so any attachment to we, ha we have to the way things looked before, in any regard, we are holding tight to a sinking ship. We have to, at this point in the evolution of humanity, be open enough to receive what is next for us without resistance and without attachment. And that means it's, it's a mystery. Mm. And we're going and we see some clues along the way. And one of the clues we're seeing along the way is this integration of masculine and feminine energy. And uh, we see it in a myriad of different ways. I mean, just the mere technology that we use. I'm over here looking at my Apple laptop and there's that zero, which represents the, the negative or the feminine. And there's the positive. There's a penis, right? I mean, that's what the on and off signal looks like. 
right? It's a, it's a penis and a vagina. It's a positive and a negative. I love it when you and talk dirty. Go on. To, <laughs> <laughs> I use that. I press that button to power technology that's only been available for the past 50 years or so. You see what I'm saying? So the integration of negative and positive, the digital revolution, the thing, the integration of zero and one, masculine and feminine, give us the technology that we have here today right in front of us. It would be no, I wouldn't be uh, confused or it makes only perfect sense that we embody that power too. And I think a lot of our strength as human beings, but as men in particular, come from our ability to integrate our feminine aspect, our, our yielding aspect, but more importantly, our heart aspect, our feeling body, our emotions, our sensitivity. Yeah, we do have this capacity for men to cast away sort of traditional stone-faced hunter-gatherer aspects of our personality and, mm -hmm. and become more, more sensitive. And it gives women the opportunity to explore more of their uh, assertiveness and so on. Now, what about the great challenge of body work, which I think occurs for some people, which is that you're very tempted by this sort of narcissistic physical vanity aspect of it. You know, how do I look? Am I chiseled? Am I vein popping? Am I well oiled? Oh no, I, I still have a chest here. <laughs> Tear it out, right? So when it comes to, to body work, to physical work, to fitness, to health, how do you avoid or how do you caution? What, do you, what words do you use to caution people about some of the danger of uh, spending the rest of your life staring in a gym mirror uh, rather than, you know, being empowered in the world mm -hmm. to do good? Yeah, absolutely. And it comes back to what I said before. When I was fueled by fear and anger and lack, that was one way to, you know, to, to that's the way it was manifested. And, you know, I can flip, I can drag, I can push, I can do it better than anyone else. Now that I approach it from a space of self-love, I accept 100% who I am in this moment with no resistance, but also with a beautiful vision of what could be possible for me. In other words, I don't have to be strong. I don't have to be uh, muscular. I don't got to get it right now. I love myself in this moment. I love the way I look in the mirror. Yeah, it's very narcissistic. Even if I am overweight, I can look in the mirror and say, I love you. I love your body. I love the way you look. You might not be, uh, I might not look like what I would ideal, idealize as a body, but that is when we become narcissistic, when we're more attached to the idea of what I should be like, rather than loving ourselves in this moment right now. Well, and of course, you have to love the foundation in order to build the house, right? You, ha you, you, look, at the you look at the ground, you say, okay, but I got to dig down, I got to build a foundation, I got to power down half a story, the story up here in Canada. I have to dig down in order to be able to build up. And so however high you want to get up in the world, you have to start digging in the foundation. And people often forget that. They just start throwing bricks together, saying, I'm going to build something. And it doesn't have a base. It doesn't have foundation. And I think that's one of the things that you've really been digging into recently, Elliot, is this question of sort of meditation and, and inward looking. I think that's relatively new in terms of how important it is for you. I wonder if you could help me and I guess the listeners and watchers to this understand how it became so important and what it provides for you and, of course, what it might provide for others as well. Well, I think you would relate to this. You know, there comes a point when no matter how much we've achieved, uh, if we're 
waking up, if we're aware, if we're looking objectively at ourselves, there comes a point in every man's life where we start to question our motives. I questioned my motives. I questioned, you know, where I've been going and where I'm going next. So over the past two, three years, I've been in what I might call, what I like to call the tunnel, which is a place of self-reflection, uh, nourishment, um, and getting deeply in touch with the real motivating factors behind everything that I do in the world, getting in touch with my truth. Rather than living up high in the head and with the ego and with the will, settling in and listening and allowing and letting things come to me rather than me having to go get it, that has been the, the big shift. Right. It is also a fascinating thing, too. Um, you know, I, I used to rant to friends and family, and I had a sort of a fairly, a fairly tight circle. And then I start ranting and, and having conversations with people online. And suddenly you're like, wow, I'm a, I don't say I'm a fairly big deal, but it's like, I'm making some ripples in, in the pond. And it's a kind of funny thing where I feel almost like I was initially swinging a sword blindfolded, you know, and, and then I realized, yes. oh, oh, actually, there are trees around. <laughs> you know, I better be careful what I'm doing. Because, of course, your growth, right? I mean, two, two and a half million subscribers and so on. It's a huge reach. How does it feel to go from, you know, grunting and yelling at a gym with your friends to having this kind of impact and being looked up to uh, as, as a mentor, not just physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and so on? How has it changed um, how, how you speak and, and what you say. That's so funny. That was a wonderful metaphor. Swinging the sword. I used to say that I feel like a, uh, a four-year-old with a machine gun. <laughs> I'm just a kid. And I'm, I got a ton of power. I'm unleashing it. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Hope, hope I'm only hitting the bad guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that has totally been it. And now where this, I, I, the place that I'm coming from now is responsibility, you know, um, taking ownership and responsibility for what I've created. So I've had to look up out of the, you know, put the gun down to look out for a minute and realize, wow, okay, this is what I've created. It was hard for me to receive it at first. You know, I'd go places and I'm with my family and people are recognizing me and, you know, I'm getting emails and messages from people that are just pouring their heart out at me. At first it was awkward at first I, I didn't know what I did or how this came about and I didn't understand the the depth at which I was able to touch some people and the change I was able to make in their lives and I had to learn how to how to be with that I had to learn how to receive that and also how to hold that space for people in a mature way you know power mm. that's another way to, to look at it you know they say power corrupts well guess what I, I just got a lot of power and I really had to stop and decide, okay, what's the best use of this power for me and for the world? And so it's been that type of responsibility. It's a funny thing because, I mean, my whole life I've had sort of these deep and meaningful conversations with those around me. And it's easy, at least for me, when I'm surrounded by all of these great conversations, great debates, you know, deep and meaningful conversations to 
remember just how many people out there are like half starving to death. Like I feel like the biggest jerk in the world sometimes. Like I feel like I'm at this table completely full of the best possible food and I'm like, oh, I'm just chewing away. And then I look mm-hmm. up and there are all these like desperately skinny half skeletal people staring at me like drool running and like, can I have sauna? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. Not everyone has this. And I think the, the depth and the richness that you talk about uh, in, in your videos, like you, you did one recently where you were talking about you know, you go deep and deep means into the body. And this guy was, he was writing in complaining. He's, oh, and you have these shallow conversations. I have these nothing conversations, these throwaway conversations about like sports and the weather and, and nothingness and so on. And that's a funny thing too. When you're used to those kinds of deep conversations, for me at least, it was kind of easy to forget just how many people out there are starved for any kind of depth and meaning and connection. And they really are adrift. And then the moment they see someone who has that, they really, really want it. And I think that's part of the nexus that, that you provide to a lot of young people. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, do you have um, plans for what you're going to do with all of this electrifying power <laughs> that you have received as part of the social uh, exchange? Um, because you've got, of course, your strength camp a gym, you've got grounding camp meditation retreats and so on. And um, where are you taking what you have so far? Well, I, the best is to speak about where I am in this moment and what's important to me now. I mean, that's the best way to tell the future. And right now, heavily invested in helping other uh, gym owners or would-be gym owners, personal trainers, strength coaches start their own businesses. You know, I can teach financial freedom because I received it. I, I, I earned it. And I was able to earn it through owning a gym, creating fitness online products, being a fitness entrepreneur. And I, I've decided that the best use of my energy in serving the world at this moment is to help others who are going to help others. Like I said earlier, I really believe that the health and fitness instructor and coach is instrumental to the new world. So if I can be a, a supporter of those who are going to support the health of our future, then uh, I don't see any better use of my time and energy. Oh, and it, it is crippling just to look up the health statistics uh, in the United States. And there is, of course, the obvious growing obesity uh, issue. But overall, just what is it? I can't remember the exact number, Elliot, but some incredibly high number of young men wouldn't possibly make it into the armed services. Now, you know, I mean, I have mixed feelings about the army as a whole, but it is a fairly good test of, you know, basic levels of fitness. And it's not even like you can't pass basic training. It's like, we can't even let you into basic training because your heart's going to explode like a grapefruit under the back of a Mack truck. Uh, And this level of ill health, you know, I mean, neighborhoods have collapsed. Kids don't go out to play nearly as much anymore. You know, they're just wearing two buttholes on the couch of video games and and YouTube. Well, YouTube, of course, is wonderful. So I don't want to interfere with that consumption. That's right. But what other things do you think have contributed to just this huge amount of physical deterioration and ill health, particularly among American youth? Uh, The the main reason why we have a lot of our issues, which is misinformation, ignorance. My people suffer because they do not know. Not only do we live, look, to be ignorant of something today is probably, there's no reason to be ignorant because you can go to Google. (laughs) We can know everything. The problem is the sheer amount of information and misinformation. 
And when I say mis misinformation, I'm not interested in saying who's right and who's wrong. I'm more interested in helping you get in touch with what you need rather than what you've been convinced of because you watched this or you heard this or such and such experts said that. So the misinformation is the detachment happens because of our detachment from our own sense of self uh, understanding, our own intuition. We were speaking with someone earlier about diets, you know, and I went on a little bit of a rant about religious diets and diet fanatics and how diet is an ideology that people grow so attached to that they forget to actually see what kind of results they're getting. You know, I'm so attached to this type of diet and it's the right way to do it and I'm a champion for it and everybody needs to do it, but you're sick, sad, and depressed, bro. It's, it's not working for you. Misinformation. Maybe that diet's great for him, but not for you right now. Oh, and it can change over the course of your life. You can take someone's heavy diet book, put it on the top shelf, and they can say, I love this diet, but I don't have the strength to reach up to get that book. I've got no energy left. And that can be that can be pretty rough. And of course, you know, if you live long enough, everything unhealthy becomes healthy again and vice versa. You know, when I was a kid, it's like, man, bacon will kill you. Eggs, you know, I might as well load them in a cannon and point them straight at your heart with shrapnel. And now, of course, it's like things have, have changed a lot. So yeah, listening to your body about what works for you. Uh, for food. I mean, for me, at least, I mean, I know, I know for a fact, I eat this 20 minutes later, I like, I'll pay 50 bucks for a nap. You know, like I, I'm just, it, it's like a vampire. I might as well, might be eat, eat, might as well be eating two sharp teeth and drain half my blood out of my body. And I know there's other stuff that's going to help me maintain uh, energy levels. And I don't know exactly what formal diet, it's a little bit of trial and error uh, and some education, but listening to your body about what you eat is really, really important. It is the, the biggest mood variant you're going to use in your day for the most part is your food. Now, what about, so we've talked a lot about the men here and for women as well, of course, there's huge benefits to exercise. And just as men can get addicted to the six, you know, the six pack stomach and the, the rippling abs and all that, women can say, well, I, you know, I love exercise because it gives me yoga butt. And, and there is, of course, that danger of doing it for the vanity uh, as well. And that, of course, is a, a problem. It's very tough to sustain vanity your whole life. You need something a little bit more substantial. So what do you think are the big selling points or features for women to get into, particularly, of course, strength training and other things that women don't necessarily feel they're natural for? I think they're all great. I think anything that gets someone in the funnel is a really good thing. So in other words, if I have to, if where you're at, I need to sell you six-pack abs so that you will take interest in your health, so that ultimately you will begin to love yourself more, then that's okay. I'm less interested in convincing you or being an unwelcome prophet, more interested in baby steps and where are you? What are you excited about and what can you do right now? Those are really the two most important things in getting someone to take action, is not to force my agenda down their throat. What do you want? really would like to, to, to lose 20 pounds so that my belly's flat. Great, that's an awesome place to begin. What's the baby step we can take to get you there? The, when I say baby step, how can we compassionately go about getting you there? Because if that's what you want, then that's true and it's right and we should help you get it. But um, I'm starting to rant now. But the, but the whole idea is that uh, I'm not against selling people six-pack abs and biceps if it's going to get them on the train to ultimately self-love. So that what happens after is really the big important part. That's great. All, all I got out of that, Elliot, is you're very happy with leaving a trail of M&Ms from the couch to the gym. That's, that's, if it gets them to the gym, that's totally fine. All right. Now, yeah. let's close off, and I just wanted to remind people, it's Elliot, Elliot Hulse, 
com two L's, two T's, and you really got to check out this stuff, and we'll put a link to your channel. I mean, it's great energizing stuff. You know, if you're low on energy, you can either, I guess, snort good old Colombian coffee straight up your, your nose, or you can watch an Elliot Hulse video. It'll have a similar effect uh, either way. I wonder if you could help people. They're watching this, and they're going like, yeah, I know I'm kind of out of shape, and I know that I've become sort of pear-shaped, and, you know, my, my couch is all too familiar with my fart smells. And, you know, like, uh, what is it that you would be able to tell people about what's on the other side? Because, you know, people look at exercise, and they say, oh, it's going to be a big hassle. It's going to be time. It's going to be like I'm going to end up tired, and it's going to take too long to get results and so on. And there's lots of – there's like a lot of gravity for these people to leap out of their current pit of, of habit and, and laziness. What is it that you want to sort of say to people to try and get them motivated to, to just start small and, and build big? You know, we, we can convince with all the benefits. You know, there's scientific, I can give you all the scientific research that says you'll have more energy, you'll think better. People who look good earn more money. You know, there, there's all kinds of evidence that it's a good idea for you to exercise. Finding out what, you, what really pulls your heartstrings is important, but also letting people know that it's easy to just get started. And if you're just consistent with the easy start, you will feel the benefit. It won't be conceptual any longer. All those benefits that I could spit out are conceptual, scientific research and, and anecdotes and whatnot. When you actually lose your first 10 pounds because all you did was walk every day, just get up. That's what I tell people. Just get up and go for a one-hour walk. You don't need to change anything else. You don't need to grind. You don't need to go crazy. Just commit to walking every single day. Most people that will walk for one hour a day, they'll lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks. And if they lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks, now there's experiential proof. I don't have to go any further. All I can say is, hey, good job. You want to keep going? Yeah. And that's usually how we get people addicted to exercise. Get them results right away. Right. Well, that's fantastic. So check out Elliot's channel. Uh, uh, check out Becoming the Strongest Version of Yourself, ElliotHulse.com. Elliot, thank you uh, so much. Uh, I think I'm going to go lift about three or four cars now. Uh, I'm so pumped. So oh, thanks God. a lot for your time, brother. I really appreciate it. You got it, Stephen. Thank you.